Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. We are in a series called The Church, The Church. The main scripture for this series has been Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. And this is out of the NIV. It says, I will build my church and the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I want you to know this, that Jesus is passionate about his church. He loves his church. The church is the bride. You are the bride. You are. You, the person, are the bride of Christ. You are the church. This building is just a building. It's an incredible building. We love the building, but you're more important than the building. Amen? He's very passionate about his church. In fact, the book of Ephesians, it says this, that he makes the wisdom of God known through the church. How many of you know that whenever you come to service and we do what we've done so far, we worship God, we sing praises to the Lord, even the words that we sing about, come on, it makes Jesus known. And then I get up or whoever else gets up, we begin to open up the Bible, open up the scripture. We talk about the scripture in and through what we're doing here. We are equipped to become more like him. Amen. And Jesus is passionate about that. This is why it's important that we all make the decision and the commitment that, listen, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will be, um, be committed. Come on, we're going to be a part. We're going to find our place, amen, and we're going to make a difference. And so I want you to know this, that the church is set up to make a difference. In fact, all hell can throw everything that hell has to throw at the church, and the church will not be phased by it. I'm telling you what, when I was growing up, I would, I would literally think that the devil was on this side and God was on this side and, and they were both like super strong. And, and it, was always a, you know, it was always a wonder as to which one was stronger. Amen? There is no question that the, the devil, the devil is, is little itsy bitsy teeny weeny compared to God, Right? The only power that the enemy has over your life is the power that you give him. That you come into agreement and you, and you give him. And so I want you to know that hell cannot overcome the church. We talked about the last couple of weeks. What kind of church do we want to have? Come on, we, we talked about a powerful church, right? We talked about a purposeful church. You know, we talked about an intentional church, a life-giving church. We, we've talked about a church that loves the Word of God, right? We talked about an active church. We talked about a diverse church. We've talked about all of these things. You guys were throwing stuff at me just, uh, just this last week. And, and today we're going to talk about a life-giving church. Somebody say life-giving. In fact, we're going to call the message today the tree of life. Amen? How many of you know that... That, 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 that the tree of life was one of two trees that was in the garden. Amen? And so we're going to talk about uh, a life-giving church. And it's very important to me, and it's very important that anything that Grace Church is a part of, that it's life-giving. Man, I don't want to be a part of something that, 
that is dreary and, and something that is, that is negative. I don't want to be a part of something that, that, that thinks that God is not capable, come on, to do all that we can ask for, think of, hope for, or even imagine. I'm telling you what, we serve an incredible God, amen? We serve a powerful God, and we serve a God that, that gives life. He says, listen, I've set before you life and death. Then what did he say? Choose life, right? Choose life. Life is a choice. And many of you know, come on, you know somebody that chooses death. Like if there's a choice, they're going to go negative. They're going to go, you know, to the worst case scenario in their mind. And I'm telling you what, if that person is so close to you that it's you, you can come out from that place and you can be a person that begins to choose life, right? Well, I'm just being a realist. Well, listen, let me tell you about a realist. His name is Jesus, amen? And he can change, come on, your situation, your circumstance. He can change how you, how you look at things. And so the title of my message is The Tree of Life. And today, quickly, I'm going to share with you two different approaches to the king, two different approaches to, to doing church, two different approaches to a relationship with God. And I'm telling you right now, I'm giving you kind of the answer before I give you the answer, that there's one better way than the other way. In fact, I would say, and this may be too bold, there's one right way and one wrong way to approach God. There's one right way and one wrong way to approach, to approach church. Come on, there's two brands of Christians, and I'm saying that one brand of Christian is better than another. Well, they're both Christians, right? Possibly, potentially. There's one brand of Christianity that is better than the other. It's funny. I will oftentimes meet people that don't know that I'm a pastor. And uh, this happens on the golf course, um, you know, probably more so than any place else now. But Steve, I used to play a lot of softball. And I played softball when I, was a, when I was a youth pastor. And man, softball teams can get a little bit crazy. I was on a traveling team, and so there was a lot of beer drinking and a lot of things like that. And every once in a while, you know what I mean, I'd get a chance to, I'd get a chance to be around people that, that, that they weren't living the Christian lifestyle. And so I, was just, I would just kind of mix in. I've been around that, and so I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. I, I don't like it, but I'm comfortable around um, a little bit of crazy. It doesn't shock me because I lived it so long, right? And so all of a sudden, you're spending time around people that are not living Christian values. And, and how many of you know, Joe, that it's just a matter of time before the question comes up, what do you do for a living, right? And so, so I'm, just, I'm just sharing with you, I've been in some pretty crass situations where somebody's language, I didn't realize it, well, I did realize, but you can string like the bad words together, like without even putting a clean word in the middle of them. It's just like bad word, bad word, bad word. And it makes sense to people, right? And then drinking, boy, they're drinking, pounding beers back or sometimes even I was out golfing and and this guy man he opened up his bag and he was like he had like four or five different kinds of whiskey 
in his golf bag. I'm like, man, this guy is equipped. He is tooled up. And he was just like, hey, anybody, anybody? And then all of the sudden, the question comes, hey, man, what do you do for a living? Well, let me tell you. And it's just been like beep, 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 beep. And that's not Morse code. That's bad words. I tell him, I'm like, I'm a pastor of Grace Church right in, right in Rupert. And there's one of two things that will happen every single time that this, that this takes place. The first one that happens most of the time is... There's an immediate transformation. It's like that person immediately just gets saved. Like, they're like, oh, man, God bless that swing. You know what I'm saying? They're, it's like completely opposite, absolutely, completely a different, a different person. Sometimes the other, the other approach is, man, this is too far gone. I'm just going to mess with this guy. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, they'll say things like, I, I really don't even like Christianity. I'm like, yeah, I really don't like it. You know, I don't like Christians very much either. And well, what do you mean? What do you mean? And, or they'll ask like, well, what does God think about, what does God think about this? And they'll hold up their drink and and, you know, like they're really going to get one over on me. And uh, like I'm just going to say, well, he's going to send you to hell. You're going to go to hell because of that drink. No, I'll flip it on him. And I'll be like, say something like, listen, he's really not interested in that. You know what he's interested in? Jay, he's interested in you. He's not interested so much in your, listen, he'll get all that other stuff worked out. But I'm telling you what, he's interested in you. He's interested in, in, in who you are. Come on, he's interested in, in not what you do, but who you are. And, and I, just, I just, you know, sometimes people, you can tell that they've never heard a response like that before. And, 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 and it's, it's in their face. It's like, wow, wow, I wasn't really ready for that. I'm like, wow, if you really want to see more of that, it's all throughout the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible. Come on. Come on, God's book is full of, of, of life and life-giving information and life-giving stories. And uh, sometimes people, and you, you've met these people, they allow religion to turn themselves off from God. Right? They've had a bad experience with religion, and then all of a sudden they think that God is... is is, is, is something that they, you know what I mean, they'll never be able to work up to, they'll never be appreciated, they'll never be, you know, they'll, 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 they'll never, you know, they'll never be good enough, you know, God's always mean and mad, and, and, and so they're just turned off from it, and they've bought into the wrong approach, that's what I'm telling you, they bought into the wrong approach, and I'm just telling you this, that I believe wholeheartedly, Troy, that every single person, it doesn't matter who they are, Every single person is pursuing God. Think about that just for a second. Every person on the planet is pursuing God. Like right now, some of you are disagreeing with me in your mind. You might not be saying it out loud, but you're just like, no, no, no. I got this uncle you see, and like he's an atheist of all atheists. And not only does he not believe in God, but he hates the idea of, of anybody believing in a God. How many of you know that there's some pretty radical people out there? And I'm just telling you this. I'm telling you the, the scripture, and the scripture says this, that there's a part of that person 
come on that is made in the image and likeness of God. And it is the spirit. While their spirit might not be renewed and it might not be born again and it might not be transformed, there is still part of that person that is made in the image of God that is longing for relationship with God even if they don't even know about it. There is something that they're seeking and searching for, even if they don't even know it. So I want to share with you today the second story of the Bible. The first story is found in the book of Genesis, right before the second story. The first story is the story of creation, right? The second story, first of all, it's your first story too. Somebody say, I was created, right? Now I'm going to share with you the second story in the Bible. It's found in Genesis chapter 2. We're staying in the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. And this is the second story in the Bible. And oh, by the way, it's your second story too. It says this, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man that he had formed, which was Adam, And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Can I just pause right there for a second and say, God's intent has always been for you to enjoy life and enjoy the creation that he's created. It is not for you just to simply to endure. It's not for you just to simply, you know what I mean, hopefully get through this life so that you can enjoy the life to come. Like his plan and purpose has always been for you. His intent has been for you to enjoy life, this life and the life to come. All right. So in the middle of the garden, the Bible says that there were two trees. Now listen, these two trees represent two different choices. So in the middle of the garden, he gives us choices. He lets us choose which tree. He gives us a choice. And and this is what the Bible says. The tree of life is one choice, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil is the second choice. Go down to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. It says this, And the Lord God commanded man... You are free to eat or ingest, to consume from any tree in the garden. Any tree. You can consume from any tree, ingest. You can eat any tree in the garden. But you must not, he gives a command here, you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Listen, this tree of knowledge of good and evil, it's not good and bad. It's the knowledge of good and bad. Right? It's not a bad tree and a good tree. It's the knowledge of good and bad. For when you eat of it, the Bible says that you will surely die. I'm going to share with you the third story in the Bible. And I pose to you this morning that this is your third story as well. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 says this. Now the serpent, you see, the third story introduces the devil into the picture. So not only were you created, somebody say, I was created, Not only were you given choices, somebody say, I'm given a choice, but also you have an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. He's going to to prompt you to make the wrong choice, which leads to death, right, If if you remain in that place. And so this is the third story of the Bible, the introduction of the devil. Now the serpent was more crafty. 
than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? And I'm telling you, as we pause right there, that if God can get you to question or doubt God's word, or if Satan can get you to doubt God's word, then he can get you to doubt God, right? If he can get you to question God's word, then he can get you to question God. And I'm just telling you, we live in a day and a time where even Christians don't even believe in God's word anymore. Right? We've got pastors that are, that are, that are embracing, come on, ideas of the world that and are absolutely against what God's word says. As if we've gotten smarter. And then they try to explain it away. And we've got Christians, even Christians, in this church and every other church around America and around the world that try to, you know, excuse portions of God's word and say, yeah, but God will understand. Yeah, but God will, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just saying that we cannot begin to question God's word because if he can get you to doubt God, his word, if he can get you to doubt God's word, then he can get you to doubt, he can get you to doubt God. He says, did God really say that you must not eat from the tree, from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent that we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say that you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not even touch it or you will die. The servant said, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. The serpent says, listen, you're not going to be worse for eating of it and touching it. You're actually going to be better. So he's appealing to her desire, come on, to become more godly. Because the servant says, and you will be like God. How many of you want to be more like God? Right. I want to be more like God. And so you can be religious and the enemy flip the script on you. Come on to make you do something that God said don't do because you desire to be more like him. Right. The serpent was appealing to her desire to be godly. Do you understand that? And so and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman, she's like, and when the woman saw the fruit of the tree, and it was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and ate of it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And at this moment that their eyes were opened, this is the loss of innocence. And this is what happens when we do, when we, when we buy into the lie of doing something that we know God said don't do, right? It's the loss of innocence. How many of you have lost some innocence? And when innocence is removed, shame is, is replaced, right? And, 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 and the shame and condemnation, you know, begins to come. And this is exactly what happened. They realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. Somebody say choices. There's two choices. There's a tree of knowledge of good and evil, which says this, that I need to do more to get to God. You ever met somebody like this? Maybe it's you. I just need to do more to get to God. Man, one of the greatest questions that I love 
asking people is this. Man, how's your walk with God going? You know what the, the knee-jerk reaction is? Well, not as good as it should be. Not as good as it should be. Because there is in a lot of people, come on, there's a lot of people that are always judging themselves as to not doing enough. You're not giving enough money. You're not praying enough. You're not reading your Bible enough. And, and their approach is this, that when I'm reading my Bible more, and when I'm giving more, and when I'm doing more, now I'm in a better place with God. As if, come on, you can do anything to improve the relationship. You understand what I'm saying? So the relationship is based, it's hinged on your performance. And I'm just saying that this is a wrong approach to God. And people that have this approach to God, yes, does God want you to know his Bible? Yes. Does he want you to serve? Absolutely. Does, does he hate you because you're not serving? No, he's just calling you up. He's like, listen, man, there's so much that I've created you to do, but I love you anyway. I love you. But listen, if you are conditioned in a religion that is all about doing more, then guess what? You're always looking at what other people are doing or not doing. And then you have conversations like this. How much of your Bible did you read? How many, how many scriptures did you memorize this last week? And even if you said like 15, or man, I read my Bible an hour a day, the, the, the approach is like, hmm, that's it? That's it? That's all? You know what I mean? And so people that judge themselves come on on doing more also judge others on how much they're doing. And I'm just saying that whenever you, whenever you, come on, some of the most mean people that I've ever met in my, in my life are Christians. Some of the most mean people that I've ever met in my life are Christians that know a lot of Bible, much more Bible than, than I know. And so, once again, you have to ask yourself, how is that or why is that? It's because they study to show themselves approved, which we ought to do, but they completely miss the person behind the passage, and his name is Jesus. And the idea is that we learn to know him, come on in and through his word. You can't separate the two. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? He is the word. The idea is that you get to know him through his word, right? Tree of life, you receive what Jesus already did. His work on the cross was sufficient. I can't add anything to that, right? I receive what he did for me. Come on, he paid it all. This is a wrong, listen, this passage of scripture is speaking to people that have gotten it wrong. John 5 and verse 39. Listen now, is it up there? You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them... You have eternal life. So you study because you think that by your knowledge of the word that there's eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, Jesus said. 
yet you refuse to come to me and have life. It's like you know all about the scripture, but you still choose to, you yield to, you're not coming to me. I am the one that gives you life. And I'm telling you what, there are a bunch of people out there that know a lot, but they don't have love. They don't have life. They don't have compassion. They're always judging. They're always, they're always looking at what's wrong. Come on, they're always, they're, their awareness is what's wrong instead of what's right. And I'm just saying that it should not be that way. Come on. The tree of knowledge says, listen, I must work. Somebody say work. To get God's approval. The view that a lot of people have is that God is always mad. Jeff, God's always mad. He's always mad. How many of you remember tracks when you were a kid? How many of you remember tracks? Tracks scared the living daylights out of me. Even though they've been used to do incredible things. But like people were always like little ants in tracks. Just falling off the cliff in the fire. Remember the fire? You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is what happens without God. And then, and then Jesus, the cross is the, is the bridge, and the little ants are able to walk across. And I'm like, the poor ants and the people that died in hell. And, and it's very, very scary. Like some of those tracks, whenever it portrayed God, God was like always sitting in a massive chair like the Lincoln Memorial. You ever been to the Lincoln Memorial? It's massive. And so you're at the Lincoln, and he's up there. Lincoln is up there in his chair. But God's face is always blurred out, and there's just rays going out on these little chick tracks. And the people are these little ant people as well. And you're just like, you're just like, man, this does not portray a loving God of the Bible. And I'm just telling you that some of you guys and some of me, like I, I know what this is like. Some of us have been conditioned, come on, to have a wrong viewpoint of who God is. And I'm just saying that I apologize if you were raised up in a church or in a situation in a family where God was always, you know what I mean, standing around a corner with a big stick looking for you to mess up. And, and now you're conditioned that you're never going to be good enough. Even though you're good for a few hours. It's just a matter of time. Come on, before you fail God again. And he's going to be mad again. From week to week, sometimes day to day, I didn't know if I was going to heaven or hell. It's the wrong idea of God. And then you begin to get into the scripture yourself and you realize that what you've been taught is not, come on, the God of the Bible. And all I'm saying is here at Grace Church, my church, your church, our church, we are committed to learning the God of the Bible. And so what we have to do in some situations is just get rid of all of the garbage. And it's not all garbage, but some of the garbage that is just wrong that you've come up underneath. Who is the God of the Bible? What is his message? How did he encounter people? What did he do for people? What was his message? What's his purpose? Why did he go to the cross? Why hasn't he come back? Do you know what the reason why he's not come back yet? Because there are still people that do not know him. He's waiting He's tearing because he wants everybody, anybody that will receive him to receive him. 
Come on, does that sound to you like a God with a big stick that just wants to whack you in the back of the head every single time that you get something wrong? It's not. But some of us have been conditioned that way. And I'm just saying that we've got to, we've got to, we've got to identify and, and, and allow God to be who he is and not who people have made him out to be. I've heard pastors, I came up underneath a couple of pastors that, man, they talked about hell so well, I thought they were raised there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they talked about it, so, and it was so, it was so like, man, I don't want to go there. How do you know so much about this place? I'm telling you this, that your view determines what your relationship with God is like. It's like a person that's inebriated drinking and says, well, what does God think about this? Well, he's not thinking about that. He's thinking about you. He loves you, man. Oh, I've never heard that before. Well, guess what? There's a lot of people that need to hear that, that God loves you. Listen, he'll get all that other stuff. Come on, if you're here today, I just want you to know, even if you've been messed up this last week, God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He went to the cross Come on for you. The tree of life is this. I simply received God's love for me. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross. Listen, Jesus didn't go to the cross and, 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 and lay back on the cross and, and the nails getting ready to pierce his hands and feet. And he didn't say, whoa, 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 whoa. Before we proceed... Are you going to love me? No. He allowed them to drive nails in his feet and hands and crucify him while they were still mocking him, while they were still spitting on him, while they were still abusing him. Come on, he went to the cross of Jesus Christ. While they were still a mess, while you still don't have your act together, while you still struggle, Come on, he went to the cross knowing that he was dying for you because he loves you. And all he's saying is, is do you receive the love that I have for you? Hebrews says it like this. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Let me ask you a question. Who's the joy? Penny, you're the joy. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. You're the joy. I'm the joy. John, you're the joy. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. That's you and that's me. Come on, we've heard this so many times that while he was on the cross, come on, I was on his mind. While he was on the cross, you were on his mind. And you have to have the right understanding of who God is. The tree of knowledge focuses on the external. What are you wearing? How are you conducting yourself? The external, how long is your hair? Boy, those are awfully long earrings you're wearing. Wow, that's a lot of makeup. See, see, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, its focus is on externally. And this is why we have so many people that are broken and messed up people that on the outside, they're putting off that, hey, everything's okay with me. You can go on to somebody else. Why? Because there's an expectation that you're okay. There's an expectation 
Come on, that you put yourself off better than what you really are. The tree of life, however, focuses on the internal. Listen, in the Old Testament, the law of God was written on stones, right? And we had to follow these stones. Something externally was saying, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Something externally. But the New Testament, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to write my commands on your heart and you don't have to obey it. You're going to desire to follow it. How many of you know that, 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 that you don't even have to know all 10 commandments by heart and the spirit of God in your life is going to say, like, don't do it. Don't do it. I love you too much. Don't do it. Right? He's directing you, the Spirit of God, in your life. When you're controlled by behavior without a change of heart, this turns people into mean Christians. This is where we get mean Christianity. Come on, you're obeying something that you don't want to do, oftentimes out of fear, right? But there's not been a change of heart and so you're coming up under this strong regiment and you yourself know that even though nobody else knows that you failed, Eddie, you failed. And there's no change of heart. You got a change of heart. I'm just using you because you got a big smile on your face. I love it. How many of you appreciate Eddie's smile? I love Eddie's smile. When you control behavior without changing a heart, have you, ever, have you ever known of a person that's been raised in, in, in the church and maybe, maybe they've had some heart change, maybe not, but then all of a sudden they leave the structure of the nest and then they go off to college and they just lose their mind? I'm telling you, this is really good parenting advice, right? And, 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 and I'm going to take advantage of this even more so with my grandchildren. Really good parenting advice. Talk to them about a change of heart more than the do's and the don'ts and the don'ts and the do's and the stops and this is okay, but, you know, you got to be careful. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like share the heart of the message more than what they should be doing and what they should not be doing. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil you obey out of duty. Once again, obeying out of duty makes you mean. I, I, I remember when I, was, when I was in youth ministry, and actually it's even happened here before. I've had people approach me, man, did, did, you, did you know that there's people smoking out in the parking lot? I'm like, yeah, man, I walk through the parking lot all the time. There's cigarette butts all over the parking lot. And they're like, why is that? And they shouldn't be, they, I'm like, listen, man, I'm, what that shows me is that people don't have to have their act together to come and hear the gospel message, amen? I'm telling you what, God can deal with that nicotine after he gets their heart, right? Praise God for cigarette butts in the parking lot. And then when you approach back, I mean, I was like, I mean, what should I have done? What should I have done? Yeah, let's go tell them to just get out of here. We don't need their kind of people. Smokers. I should have said, you know what? There's gossipers in the church too. Oh, oh, I should, I should, I, I, I should have said, I should have said, 
I mean, you could just go on and on and on and on. But they were smoking in the parking lot. Smokers. Bunch of smokers. We don't need that around here. The tree of life, we obey God out of gratefulness, a grateful heart. Amen? I was, I was walking over to the church this morning, and I just, I just had this song on my heart. It's a simple song. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. I'm just walking. I just want to thank you. And I'm encouraging myself. Thank you, Lord. I didn't go up that high, but I was just, I was just walking. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you, Lord. You know what? Even in ministry, I come across people that's like, well, you know, I just, I surrendered to the call like 52 and a half years ago. It's like you surrendered to it, huh? You just, you just like, you wanted to do so many other things, but you're just like, yeah, I had to answer the call of Christ on my life. Boo hoo hoo. I'm like, I can't believe that God chose me. Are you kidding me? I, don't, I, I can't even believe that God would use a guy like me. I am so blessed and favored. Amen. I cannot believe that I am privileged, come on, to use my life to encourage other people's lives. And guess what? You're the same way. Well, I, yeah, let's not be that person. I just surrendered to God. You know what I mean? There was a better way, but, but I just kind of surrendered to God. You know, maybe I should have done something different. No, man. First of all, you're just missing it in the first place. First John chapter 5 and verse 3 says this. This is the love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. This is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. So I'm going to give you three proper responses real quick. We're getting ready to shut this baby down. Are you ready? Lean in. Three proper responses. Number one, fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Boy, that's simple, Pastor Travis. Great idea. Fall in love with him. Like, like literally, Fall in love with him. And some of you are just like, listen, I have a hard enough time following love, falling in love with people. How do you fall in love with a God that you can't touch, that you can't embrace, that you can't, first of all, you can touch him and he can touch you. You can embrace him and he can embrace you. But I'm telling you, the first place to begin is just begin to think about who he is, his nature. And think about this, what he's done for you. What has God done for Steve? What has God done for Bob? Incredible story. What has God done for Travis, right? Man, when I start thinking about that and really thinking about it, like my heart, my, like I have a love that just begins to, it begins to, to build and grow. John chapter 14 and 15 says this. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Now listen, for most of the years in my Christian life, I read this wrong. I read it like this. If you love me, prove it. Do what I say. Anybody else ever read it like that? If you love me, prove that you love me and do what I say. Anybody? But I'm telling you, that is completely wrong. What this is saying is, is that if you love me, I want you to know that you're going you're gonna to obey me. 
You're going to do what I want you to do because my spirit is in you. You understand what I'm saying? So you got to ask yourself what part of the comma you're emphasizing. If you love me, then prove it. Come on, that's worldly love. No, if you love me, I want you to know, Jay, you're going to follow me, man. You're going to be all right. It's going to be, it's going to be so in- incredible. Come on, the things that you used to struggle with, if you, when you love me, when you are in love with me, you're not going to struggle with those things anymore. Amen? Yeah. Number two is this, respond to sin with life. Respond to sin with life. I'm going to give you a secret. I want you to pay attention to the secret because the secret will change your life. You're going to sin again. You're going to sin again. Now, knowing that information, when somebody else sins around you, treat them the way that you want God to treat you. Right? Because you're going to sin again and you're going to be surrounded by people that sin again. And all I'm telling you is this, that you need to respond to sin with life. John chapter 3 and verse 17 says this, God didn't go to all that trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. Have you ever met somebody like that? There's one accuser and his name is Satan. He's always accusing, pointing. You see what he did? You see what she did? You see that? They, they, you got people that you know in your circle that are accusatory people. Man, they are quick to share what is wrong, come on, with, with somebody's actions or what it is that they're doing, right? God didn't go to all that trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger Telling the world how bad it was. He came to help them to put the world right again. Jesus came to set me free, not make me sorry. Now, are you saying, Pastor Travis, that we don't have standards and that we don't, that we don't have truth and just whatever, whatever? Like, listen, if that's what you're getting out of this message, then, then I am not communicating effectively. In fact, our standards are going to get higher and greater, Right? Like, we cannot shrink back as the whole world is leaving the Word of God. As culture is changing and saying what God says is wrong, culture is embracing and saying, well, God didn't know what he was talking about. That is never going to be Grace Church. We're going to stand up for morality. We're going to stand up for godliness. We're going to stand on the truth of God's word. But I'm telling you, the truth of God's word is going to be packaged in the way that his word was originally packaged in love and with grace and mercy. Come on, believing in the best for people. See, love corrects as well. Joe, you go out, you know what I mean, drinking too much over the weekend, and if we're just kind of hanging out, and I'm just like, holy smokes, man, what's going on, you know? I can smell it coming off of you. You know what I mean? Am I going to say, Joe, you're going to hell? Get out of this church. You can't come here. Get your act together. Prove yourself, then come back to me, right? Come back. No, I'm going to say, listen, man, what are you doing? You, you know that, how that's messing with your testimony? You know how, how so many people have learned, come on, to, 
to, to look for you every single Sunday because of the joy that you bring and, and, the, and the smile that's on your face and, and the joy of the Lord that is just in your heart. You're going to, you know what I'm saying? Come on, you're going to damage that for a, a, a night of bad decisions? You're better than that, man. Come on. And, and you won't have that headache no more, right? And so I'm going to correct Joe, I'm gonna, but I'm going to call him up. I'm going to say, listen, man, come on, let's, we can't do that. Don't cause your brother to stumble, right? Don't cause him to fall. So we're going to have standards. We're going to speak correction and direction, but we're going to do so in love, life, and mercy. Number three is this, and this is the last one. Guard your heart from going back. Going back where? Going back to the life that you once lived. Guys, I see this all the time. Breaks my heart, man. Somebody comes and they get, you know, God just begins to change radically, you know, some, some, some major areas, you know, in their life. Delivers them from some things. But then guess what? They stop living for Jesus. And I'm telling you, at the moment that you stop living for him, you have the ability to naturally drift back towards a selfish life and a life that was, that was filled with brokenness and pain and hurt and despair and, and all of those things. And I'm just saying, listen, you've got to guard your heart. Just got a conversation. I had a conversation this last week with, with a lady that's dealing with, with her husband. You know what I mean? That's going through some struggles right now. And I believe wholeheartedly they're going to be okay. But I'm telling you what, with a guarded heart, you don't have to go through all of the pain and suffering and put your family through all the pain and suffering anymore. Amen? We begin to let our guard down, and then we begin to drift back to what it is that we used to be like, the things that we used to do. Don't do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't do it. C.S. Lewis said this, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Isn't that powerful? That's the problem. We're always looking for something else to make us happy. But I'm telling you what, all you need is Jesus because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12 says this, He who has the Son... Somebody say it with me, has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. My question this morning is this, do you have Jesus? You know, maybe this morning in this short message that we've, that we've shared, you know, you're thinking to yourself, something's going on in my heart and I need I need a change in my heart. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe, maybe you've been working to get God's approval and you just need, you know what I mean, to know who God is, fresh and new, like the God of the Bible. That it's not about work, it's simply about receiving and becoming more like Him as He changes you from the inside out. I want you to know this, that not everybody goes to heaven but God's desire is, is that everybody would go to heaven. Like he desires that none would perish, but all right norm would have everlasting life. This church is filled with people that are so grateful that are undeserving of this everlasting life. I'm the first one undeserving of it, but so grateful that he saved me and washed away my sins. 
which I promise you were most, more, there were more than most of you have sinned. Paul said it like this. Uh, he said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. He was like, I was one of the greatest sinners. And I, I, can, re- I can relate to that. And guess what? I stand before the Lord, even though I'm not perfect, I stand before the Lord perfectly forgiven. Amen? And guess what? That's available to you. It's available for anybody that would just simply, simply just say, yes, Lord, I feel your Holy Spirit, and I know that you're, you're calling me to make a decision today. There's a choice to be made today. Do I believe and do I receive Jesus? Like for some of you, you might have the opportunity to do that for the very first time. You've never, you've never heard a message like this. You've never, you never heard the gospel. You've never understood it like it's been presented to you. And you're just like, I got to make this decision and I'm ready to make it today. And for others, you're like, you know what? I made the decision to follow Jesus a while ago, but I find myself drifting between the two trees. The tree of life, see there's vines in between the trees and it's crazy how you can cross over from an incredible tree of life into a tree of of knowledge of good and evil and it becoming all about the the rules and the regulations and we forget, come on, the, the beautiful relationship of God. Maybe you're here and you're just like, listen, I've missed it and I need to go back to the tree of life. I want to I want to speak life. I want to choose life. I want to love. I want to become more like Jesus to please him. Not that he will love me more, but just I want to glorify his name. Amen. So if you're in any one of those camps, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or you want to renew your relationship and walk with God today, I'm just going to ask you real quick, just real quick, boldly, to put a hand in the air because we're going to receive Christ together today. Is there anybody here that would like to make that decision this morning? Nobody here. Everybody's on point then, right? And that's really good. Awesome. Thank you, sir. I love that. Thank you. Anybody else? Everybody else is on point and good. And if that's the case, Bob, thank you so much. Thank you, Bob. For See, this is the cool thing is is there's many times where I, where I am the one giving the message and I'm like, I have the ability to drift. I have the ability to not focus. Come on, to not pursue God like I ought to. And many times when I'm saying, is, is, is anybody want to? You know why I raise my hand? Sometimes because I'm like, I'm going to be the first. Thank you, Vern. I appreciate that. Anybody else? Don't let it pass. If it's you, just raise them up. Awesome. Young lady, young man. All right. Thank you so much. Love that. Anybody else? Okay, let's stand to our feet together. Let's thank the Lord. Let's put our hands together for the Lord this morning. I want everybody to do me a favor. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. That as I receive you, which I do right now, Jesus, I receive you. I receive your life. I receive your sacrifice. I receive your forgiveness. In fact, God, all of my sins, I'm asking you to wash them away. Thank you for that forgiveness, Lord. Thank you for the blood on the cross of Christ. 
that covers the multitude of sins, all of my sins. Thank you for the blood of Christ that heals today. Thank you for the blood of Christ that gives life today. God, I speak life over those that came in here just weary, God, confused. My desire, Lord, is, this is everybody's desire here today, that we would know the God of the Bible. I pray, Lord, that you would show yourself to us and reveal the areas and the ways in which we've misunderstood you. I pray, Lord, that our relationship with you would grow every single day. Let us be intentional about that relationship. God, for those that are making a decision to serve you today, to receive you, that have received forgiveness, that have confessed their sins to you, God, I pray that there would be a passion to know you. They would find themselves reading. Maybe they've never read anything in their whole life. But they would find themselves being drawn, desiring to know you through your word. That they would find themselves talking to you throughout the day, every single day, in prayer. That they would desire to be linked up with other people, men, women, children, other people that are going the same direction that you're going. God, I pray for the relationships in this church. I pray that our relationships would go deeper. I pray, Lord, that we would, that we would take time for one another. That we would trust one another. And that we would handle these relationships properly, Lord. I thank you for the life-giving message that you've given us here today. Today, I pray, Lord, that as we receive you, that we receive life. And, and by receiving you, God, that we would be more like you. I thank you, Lord, for that today. We receive you. And God, your word says that, that you will give us the power of the Holy Spirit too. That gives us the empowerment to become what it is that you've created us to become. I know this, that there's many gifts that are represented in the house this morning. And those gifts are needed to be used not only in this church, but in this community. And I pray, God, that there would be a quickening of people stepping out and doing what it is that you've called them to do. That they would not sit back any further. They would not wait any longer but they would just step into the calling, God, the purpose that you have set before them. What is purpose that is not stepped into? It's wasted. What is a life that is not used to advance the kingdom of God? A life that, that, that is not used to love and serve other people? It's a life that is insignificant. And God, I pray that every single person online and in this church would have a significant life that they would live. That at the end of it, everything that they would desire to be said about them at their funeral would be said. And they would just, they would just have that peace and confidence. God, we love you. We cannot do this without you. We need you. I pray these things in Jesus' name today. Amen and amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org 
and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.